Well, glory to God. Beside the wonderful gift of... We went on a trip to see Noah's Ark. If anybody didn't know, that's where we went. And saw the the replication of that. And they did the driving, getting us out there. And and boy, it's just a blessing to, to be out there. And then uh, we woke up uh, on one morning. And my granddaughter had a uh, little book for both... Uh, this one was for me. And one was for my wife. And she even wrote inside of it and drew a picture and wrote for us a little verse in there. Isn't that cool? So I've already switched over and putting some, some of my notes in here. But I was away all week and I completely disconnected from whatever was happening in the world. Came back and found out some stuff happened. Surprised about that. <laughs> but I was catching up on kind of all of it that was going on and, and listening to some of the things that are going on in light of this series that we're getting into. You know, sometimes you can look at the exact same thing that's going on in the world, but look at it in, in light of something else that's in the Word of God and see it differently. And so I was looking at it in the, in the light of this, and um, I know that, that, that many of you were, were aware of this as it was going on. We, like I said, I wasn't aware of it until yesterday when I took some time to catch up on what was going on. But let me tell you this part first. We're in a series here, How Do I Honor God? I looked this up in, in some of the notes that we had, and I found out that we have not taught on honor and how we honor God for 20 years. Now, we put this in just about everything that's, that's there, but I mean the series where we dedicated to it. And the last time we did it, I saw we spent six weeks on it. I will tell you now, we will blow that out of the water. <laughs> but I hope to keep it, keep it interesting for you and not just be in the, the same kind of things. I've already got a number of different things and notes and the different things that I'm, I'm seeing in, in stories in the Word. But many think that they're honoring God and the things of God. But when we see what the Bible teaches about honor, we may find out that we haven't been honoring the things of God the way we thought. Now, when I began to ponder this, this series and these thoughts, I came to see that through faith, through faith, or faith will put us into a place that attracts the favor and the blessings of God to us. How many know that the favor of God is ours, the blessings of God are ours, and they come to us, but sometimes we see a discrepancy in what I believe the Word of God says should be mine and what actually is. Anybody ever see that? And so as I was getting into this series and looking at these things, this is what I saw. The faith in God attracts the blessings to us. Attracts the favor to us. But it is how we honor God or dishonor God that can either finish it off or push it away. Now we were out there in the, in this, uh, this place in Kentucky and we were by a lake. And so my, my daughter had the forethought. She knew what was, was coming up on there. So she brought some fishing, some fishing poles. And so we were, we were doing some fishing off of the dock. And so the, we had the little girl, she had her own fishing pole. The little boy had his own fishing pole. And then there was a, bigger fishing pole for anybody else who wanted to go on in there. And so we were throwing the the lure and it was going out there, you know, and, and reeling it on back in. And what they began to find out is that the fish sometimes would bite, but they wouldn't get hooked. Now, I know from fishing before that you could get a fish to bite and lose it on the way in. Anybody ever seen that? If you don't reel it in right, you'll lose it on the way in. He's hooked. He's bending the line, but you'll lose it on the way in. The faith of God is what attracts the, the blessings to the hook. But how you reel it in is the honor of God. 
And you see, sometimes we have attracted a whole lot of blessings. We've attracted a whole lot of favor. But because of the way we walk in honor or the way we walk in dishonor, we chase it away. Now, as we were over there fishing, we were fishing. We got these little, these little fish. Send it over to, send a picture over to Bruce. Bruce, what is it? So he told us what it was. He said it's one of the best eating fish if you can get a big enough one. We did not. <laughs> did not get a big enough one for that. But uh, we got some ones, you know, they're four, five, six inches. Probably most of them are around the six inch uh, range. And so they would come on in. So, you know, we let them go. So they have really sharp fins, though. So you have to be real careful with, you know, you got to grab them in a certain way so you don't get poked by them. Take the hook off and, and then just throw them back in. But little girl, she was thrilled. She got four. My wife got two. She was in fishing as long as the rest of them were. They, she, she just picked up a line and, and just went out there and she got two pretty quick. And, um, um, my daughter even caught one. She got out there and, and, uh, it, it, I didn't get any. I was catching all the ones off the, off the line most of the time. The few times I did get to throw it out, I didn't catch any myself. But, um, it was a, it was a fun time to be out there and to, and to see that. And, you know, they were thrilled to be able to catch these things. And even though we were letting them go, it was still a, it was still a fun thing to do. But I, we want to be able to catch some blessings. How about it? Sometimes we just, I know they're there. I can feel them biting on the line, but I need to be able to bring it in. And so we want to take a look at this series on honor and how we can do that. Now, honor affects our worship. It affects prayers. It affects our relationships. It affects our understanding and a whole lot more. So we're going to take a look at some of these aspects. We're only going to be, uh, get going on this here this morning. But here's a question. And if you, how many saw the question I put up on Facebook? Anybody see that one? All right. Three of you. Appreciate that. <laughs> I, I tell you, if it doesn't come up on your Facebook feed, go to the webpage because that's all that webpage gets. Our webpage only gets the Facebook feed from the stuff that we put up there. So you can get rid of all the other noise that's there. But in Matthew 5.44, it says, love your enemies. Now, are your enemies people that love you? No, so it's telling you to love who? People who don't love you. Love people who don't love you. Bless those that curse you. Are people that cursing you blessing you? No, so you're, you're blessing people who don't bless you, right? Do good to them that hate you. Do people that hate you do good to you? So it's telling you to do good to people who don't do good to you, pray for them which despitefully use you. If people are out there despitefully using you, are they praying for you? Probably not. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Certainly if they are persecuting you, they're not, uh, they're not praying for you. So in light of this verse, how would you respond? How do you think we are supposed to respond to people who dishonor us? How many think we should dishonor them? No takers on that. How many think we should honor them? Now, no one raised their hand really on either one of these things. So I'm just going to say it to you this way. If you think that the Bible teaches that we are to honor those who dishonor us, this is part of the reason you have problems in your Christian walk. Now, the most important thing to ever find out on a topic is not what religion would teach me. It is to find out what the Bible actually says. Now, in the Word of God, 
you will see this on this on this part where where faith can attract the 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 blessings of God. Think of it this way. Saul, how did God pick him to be king? God picked him to be king because he was humble and because of his faith. What happened to him? He got into pride and away from humility and he no longer trusted the words of God. What happened to the blessings that came into his life? They went away. And I could keep on going on this list on on other people. Jeroboam is another one. The blessings of God were attracted to him because of his faith, because of his faithfulness, because of his humility, and they went away from him because he got away from it. Because basically both of these people dishonored what they once honored. If we walk in dishonor, we will leave the things that God wants to bless us with and wonder why it happens. Now, I have a verse for you, and we have the kids in with us today, so I I looked for a verse that would just do this just a little bit differently. But in Proverbs 15.33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Now, I, that's okay. I know most of us read that and we have no trouble with it, but I'm thinking, all right, I, I can see where this might be a little bit easy to misunderstand. So I went into a Spanish translation I really don't use a whole lot. It's called the CSB. I believe it's the Christian Standard Bible. The fear of the Lord is what wisdom teaches. Does that make it easier? The fear of the Lord is what wisdom teaches and humility comes before honor. So kids... I want us to say this together. I want all of us to say this together. I want you to get this down. Before this day is over, I want you to know this verse and be able to recite this verse in your sleep. The fear of the Lord. Say it. The fear of the Lord is what wisdom teaches. Is what wisdom teaches. And humility comes, and humility comes before, honor. before honor. If we want to be honored, if we want to receive honor, I must walk in humility. If humility comes before honor, then if honor leaves, guess what else leaves? If humility goes away, honor will go away. The fear of the Lord. Say it again. The fear of the Lord, the of the Lord is what wisdom teaches. What wisdom teaches. And, humility comes before honor. and humility comes before honor. Wisdom will teach you to fear the Lord. Now, when it says fear the Lord here, and I looked at every single translation. Do you know every single translation of the one I checked? And I checked about 20. Every single one of them says it this way. The fear of the Lord. (laughs) Now, the fear of the Lord is a respect of the Lord. It's not I'm afraid of the Lord. It's a respect. Is that not another way to say honor? This is wisdom will teach you to honor God. And when we have humility, that honor will come back to us. Now, what does honor mean? Now, I wrote a definition in there. I looked all over for some one of these places. You know, Webster, they have a, a website. And um, there's a couple other places they have websites. And I looked up their definition. I just wasn't satisfied with any of them. Some of them, when they, they read like this. Uh, Honesty, fairness, or integrity in one's beliefs and actions... Is, is the noun version of it, to be a person of honor, as a verb to hold in honor or high respect, revere, to treat with honor. 
Basically, you know, when it says to honor your parents, that's what it's talking about. I put this definition. This is kind of a combination of things I saw all around. Adherence or sticking to actions or principles. I have learned to be right in the sight of God and the persistence to continue in them no matter the temptation to pause or quit. So honor is this. Adherence or basically sticking to Actions or principles I have learned to be right in the sight of God. And the persistence to continue in them. No matter the temptation to pause or to quit. Now I put it in there, pause, because sometimes you're, you're acting honorably and you just, I'm just gonna take a break. I've been doing this, no one's treating me the way I want them to be treating. I, I'm just gonna take a break from being honorable. And I'm going to go off and do, do it another direction. Uh, no, that's not honor. That's not how we're supposed to, to do that. As I already told you, by faith we attract the favor of God and man and we reel it in with honor. Now, honor is a skill or a trait that we can develop and sharpen. It is a skill or a trait. I can develop it. I can sharpen it. Just like I have become a good fisherman or a poor fisherman. I, can, I mean, you know, we're all born poor fishermen. We can become a good fisherman. I think some people have better instincts than others on that. Uh, but I wanted to, to show a particular example for you. And um, so sometimes we begin to, to think that I am acting honorably. How many of you say I am acting honorably in, in regards to certain things? Uh, I'm an honorable person. Most of us will look at ourselves and we would say we're honorable. And we would say that as far as honoring God, I am giving God all the honor I could possibly give him. I am just, he is, I am giving him all the honor that I can give. I can't give God any more honor than that. This is, this is, uh, this is on, and, and because it is all the honor that I can give, therefore it is all the honor that I am capable of. Have you ever thought of that? I'm not really capable of doing anything more. And this is good enough. Does it seem like it's good enough to God, the, the amount of faith that you have? How many would say that I have enough faith for God? God is, God is happy with my, is God happy with your faith? How many would say God's happy with my faith? I have enough faith. I don't need any more faith. How many is, how many is God happy with how much of the Holy Spirit you got? Anybody need any more Holy Spirit? God don't got enough? We can always grow in these things. And in the area of honor, we can continue to grow. You see, because the more I learn about the word, the more I find, oh, I can honor God this way. I can do this. I didn't know I could do this. I didn't know this was honorable. And so we begin to find out, you know what? There's more. There, there is more for me to do. And so we go out there and we begin to study the word and we find out some things. Oh, you know what? There is some more that I can do. I'm not done yet. There's still some more that I can do. I can, I can find out some more honor that I can walk in. And we walk on along and we find, oh, you know, there's even more. And so we go along a little bit farther and I'm learning more from the word. I'm getting more out of the word. And I find out, you know what? I thought I was done, but there was even more. And then we go on, we keep on going, we keep studying, we keep learning. And we find out there was even more. And we just keep on going with it. And it just keeps seeming like no matter how far I got into honor, no matter how far I got into faith, no matter how far I got into the spirit, there was more for me to find. 
We're, we're never going to, to exhaust all that God has for us in these things. I may walk in all the honor that I can walk in right now, but I can learn more. And if I can learn more honor and how to walk more honorably, what will it attract in my life? More favor, more blessings. God desires to bless us. He desires to bless us. Doesn't mean you have to be all, all have to have mansions and, and four cars. We're not talking about blessings along. God just wants to bless you. He wants you to be blessed. Not everybody wants a Bentley. I don't. I think they're ugly. Somebody wanted to bless me with a Bentley, I'd go find out where I could sell it. I don't like them. Now, some people do. They, they, they love the car. I'm happy with the truck. I got a truck. It's a good truck. And I'm satisfied with that truck. It's a blessing to me. Every time I go out there in that truck, it's a blessing to me. You have to look at the things that God has given you. They are, they are blessings. But God wants to give you blessings. Understanding of the word, wisdom from the word, these are all blessings. The, the, the people we have in our life, these are blessings. We gotta grow in, in these things. Now we can also learn to dishonor. And unfortunately that's an easier lesson. Now what kicked this line of thought off for me was this statement that I heard someone make. The amount of honor we render or give to something is measured by the amount of positive thought we give it. The amount of honor we render or give to something is measured by the amount of positive thought we give it. You could also look at it this way. The amount of dishonor we give a thing is measured by the amount of negative thought we give it. If you have negative thoughts of your boss, if you have negative thoughts of the business that you work for, if you have negative thoughts about your car, if you have negative thoughts about your dog, whatever it might be, if you are growing in negative thoughts, you are growing in dishonor towards that thing. This is why the Bible tells us about our thoughts. What kind of things does it say we ought to think on? Things that are lovely, things that are good, things that are beneficial. And it gives us a good list there. These are things you should think, think on these things, it says. Think on these things. But the enemy wants to, to think on other things. He wants to pull your thoughts into something you don't have, something that people are not doing. How many saw the bulletin quote today? I mean, did not read your bulletin quote today. All right, it's not time to read it now, but I'll read it for you. C.S. Lewis. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, is thinking of yourself less. I see us, Lewis. I mean, he's a writer. <laughs> he's going to put some profound, he puts a lot of profound things out there. Humility is thinking of yourself less. The more you think of yourself, I need, I want, I'm going to have, then the less we're walking in humility, the less I walk in humility, how much honor am I walking in? Less. You cannot walk in honor if you're not walking in humility. What does God do to the proud? He resists them because people that are prideful are walking in dishonor. People that are humble have the opportunity to walk in honor. That's why we need to stay on the side of the street of humble. 
If I'm always thinking about what I don't have, what I didn't get, what God didn't do for me, what God did do for someone else but didn't do for me, if I'm always feeling cheated, I will walk in dishonor. I will drive away the favor of God from my life and His blessings that my faith has been trying to attract. It's important. Now, I put this in your in your outline for you too if you want to get this down. There is a strong connection between obedience and honor. But they are not the same thing. But there is a strong connection. Now, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, we all know this one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. How many have quoted that to a child? Children, obey. <laughs> no, we don't like to go with the rest of it. But uh, but this part's good. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now, again, obedience and honor are closely related, but they are not the same thing. He says here, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. I want you to see a change here that may not jump out at you. He says, children, do what? Obey. Children, obey. But then he goes on and says, honor your father and mother. Children, obey your parents. Honor your father and mother. Can you see the difference between the two? Children, obey your parents. As long as you are a child and have parents, your job is to obey. But there comes a day when you grow up and obeying is not. The same thing as honoring. We're going to, we're going to look at that. But honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And your, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Well, we can provoke, how do you provoke a child? Well, in the context of this, if we're always going over and hitting them over the head, obey, obey, obey. <laughs> we're, we're not. As a parent, I can dishonor my children, and as a child, I can dishonor my parents. We have to make sure that we walk in honor. But as a child, you are also called to obey. As an adult, you are called to honor. As a child, you are to honor them as well. But as a child, you are also supposed to obey them. There will come a day when that will change. We'll look into that. I put this in your outline for you. You can not obey and stay in honor, but you would be hard-pressed to disobey and not be in dishonor. Now, I'm going to clarify this here for you. But you can not obey and stay in honor, but you would be hard-pressed to disobey and not be in, in uh, dishonor. Disobedience is this. If you go to, to a, a boss comes to you, a parent comes to you and says, do this, and you say yes, and then go off and don't do it. Did you not obey, or did you disobey? Now, you may say, well, they sound like the same thing. They're not. Just slightly different. To disobey means to go against what you said you would obey. To not obey is to simply say, "Uh uh-uh. When Peter was before the... The, the rulers, and they said, you will do this. What did he say? Uh-uh. And he told them, in fact, we're going we're to look at that verse later on down here, but he told them 
He said to obey you or to obey God. What should we do? We're going to obey God. You see, because to obey God is to go against, is to not obey you. But I'm not disobeying you because I'm telling you right now to your face, I'm not doing it. That's not obeying. I am not going to obey what you said to do. Disobey means I'm, I'm kind of hiding what I'm going to do. It's kind of like when, when mom comes in, she's, she's got the uh, groceries in, her, in there. She hasn't put them all away yet. The cookies are still out on the table. Don't eat the cookies. Yes, mom. And then mom has to go out and put stuff away. And we go over for the cookies. What did we do? Did we just not obey? No, we disobeyed. I went against what I knew to do, but I'm not bold enough to say, uh-uh, mom, as soon as you leave this room, I'm eating them cookies. <laughs> so that's the difference there. There is a place where we cannot obey. See, I can honor someone and not obey them. But it is hard to disobey and not be in dishonor. Here's Nicodemus. Let's take a look at him. I remember the name Nicodemus. All you kids here, you all remember the name Nicodemus? Nicodemus... Let's read the story in John chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, I'll stop right there for a minute. He was a Pharisee and he was a ruler of the Jews. Generally, how do the Pharisees and the rulers of the Jews view Jesus? Honorably or dishonorably? I would say generally they dishonored, they dishonored him. This man came to Jesus by night. Why did he come by night? Why is the word making a point that we know that he came by night? <laughs> because he didn't want people to see him coming by day. And he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, why does Jesus say this? <laughs> this man has come. This is part of the group that is coming against Jesus, putting a wall between Jesus and, and reaching the people a lot of times. And here we got one that came in. If you have a group of enemies and you finally had one who came in and they decided to kind of make friends with you, wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't you say, oh, this is a good thing? This is a helpful thing? I think I, I've told you the stories about this before, but you know, especially my senior year in high school, but a few of the, uh, most of the, most of the years in high school, I was persecuted for, because I was a Christian. In fact, uh, I, I think I've told you the stories. Uh, most of the time I had to be, I was in fear of going into the, into the bathrooms. Because generally it would, it would not end well. <laughs> the, the people, there were certain bullies around there. You think they got bullies here today. They had them back then too. And they would generally try and beat you up. And, and, uh, I, I didn't want to take the bus home because the bus was filled with bullies. And, uh, uh, so I just, uh, I, I learned to just cover the distance on my own. I think that's one of the reasons I got into running. Just to get away from, from, from all that. It was two miles from home to, to, uh, to school. And that, you had two miles piece of cake. You get, you know, no real big deal to, to do that. So, uh, but, but that was going on quite a bit. And so this, we had this going on, lunch rooms. They, none of these things were great. That's one, one of the reasons moved me to go into audiovisual because in audiovisual I had my lunch pass, I had my hall pass, and I could get away from all the places where they were at and I could go in there and, and with all the other geeks. I don't know if I was a complete geek. But <laughs> I got in there with them, and we didn't have any problems. There was no bullies in there, and we all had had fun things to do, and that, that helped the school out and so forth. But there was one particular day that um, uh, we had a discussion in English class, 
in which uh, one of the most despised teachers I had in school, I didn't like him at all. He didn't like me. I had a couple of them that didn't like me, but uh, this one in particular didn't like me. He didn't like me because I was a Christian. That's his only reason. He didn't like me because he was a Christian. And I made it very aware, everyone in, the, everyone in the school knew I was a Christian. There was not a single person who went to Upper Moreland High School in the years of 77, 78, and 79 who did not know that Steve Heck was a Christian. At 1,400 students in there, every single one of them, they did not know me by name. They knew me, the kid who carried the Bible. Because I carried that big yellow and orange, still have it to this day, carried that, the, well, actually it was little, it was little so it fit on top of all my books, yellow and orange Bible. And I carried on top of my books, and every time I got to class, I sat down and I read it. I read it in study hall. I read it all the time. My chemistry teacher, he also didn't like me. He came up to me in the middle of a test one day. I may have told you this story. But he came up to me in the middle of the test. All the class is quiet, and we're all taking this test. He comes up to me in the middle of the test. What's this? It's my Bible. Why do you carry it around? Because I read it. You know, if you read your chemistry book as much as you read that Bible, you get an A. No, I thought this. I don't think I said it. I don't think I said it. But <laughs> I thought this. I know I thought this. I said, I don't want to read the chemistry book as much as I want to read my Bible. <laughs> and I didn't. But there was a particular day in English class where this uh, other professor was, this other teacher was. He, uh, he decided to throw out in class, is Jesus Christ real or the biggest myth ever made up? And so, um, now this, this is still in the day when I'm nervous about raising my hand. I don't like public speaking. I avoided public speaking. I didn't, I kept my head down. I tried to stay in the most, uh, um, back part of the class. I didn't want to get called on. It didn't matter if I knew the answer or didn't know the answer. I did not want to get called on. And so, but, you know, they're def- coming against my God. Can't have that. So, um, he brought this up, and so I mustered all the boldness I could find in me and stood up. And then I was the only one in the class who stood up for the things of God. Only one. No one else did. And so a debate ensued between the teacher, the class, and myself about whether God was a myth or real. The next day, in cl- I don't remember all the things that we talked about. I just remember the next day in class, the, the teacher got in there and says, well, I think we can pretty all, pretty much all uh, uh, come to the realization that we lost that debate. <laughs> there was a few other times that things, there was one teacher who wanted to teach transcendental meditation, because that was a big thing, and, and, and then... And she went to teach this. And so she began to give these assignments for us going home and being and doing TM at home. And so I stayed silent for the first day, but I went over to the library and I checked out everything I could on transcendental meditation to find out what it was. And I had the definition. And so after the class the next day, I went up to her desk and I said, where did you get the idea that you can teach TM in a public school? And and again, still, I, I have to muster up all the courage I can. I wasn't as bold back then. <laughs> And I said that to her. She said, it's not TM. I said, yes, it is. And I showed her what TM was. And she still held the thing. Well, it's not. I said, well, it is. And we left it at that. And she never brought it up in class again. So she wouldn't acknowledge that I I called her on it. But uh, she didn't bring it up anymore in class either. So I felt pretty good about that. But anyway, after we had this class and uh, this teacher 
was defeated by his own words, there were three bullies of the group of bullies that used to make it tough for me in school. And they were so thrilled that I took this teacher to task that they actually adopted me. (laughs) And they said, Steve, if anyone lays a finger on you, they will answer to us. And from that day forward, I never had any trouble with bullies in high school. Everyone left me alone. So you would think if Jesus can get one of these guys on the the bully patrol to be on his side, he would take it. But I don't get the idea that Jesus is taking this because the man comes to him and he asks him a question. You are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. He's saying, God is with you. I see the hand of God on you. And so Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, man, you are lost. <laughs> now, I mean, those are fighting words. It's like when who's that comedian used to go around, tells him the story, and that's when the fight happened. Or that's when the fight began. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, is he not asking how to do this? What are you talking about? How do we accomplish this? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Is that a great explanation? How many of you say that is a phenomenal explanation? I now understand. It's not a great explanation, is it? But it's the one Jesus gives them. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? I bet some of you are saying that too. What in the world are you saying? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Is Jesus giving him honor? He is not, is he? They met Jesus with dishonor and Jesus is not sowing honor to receive honor. Because we are so caught up in the, and it's rightfully so, the sowing principle, we think whatever I sow, I reap. And yet there's not a single example in the word of God of someone who sowed honor to receive it. Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. If I have told, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man, who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now everybody knows that verse. Did you know that verse was given to Nicodemus? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest 
his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Now, I put some notes down here for you. Does Jesus treat Nicodemus honorably? First off in verse 10. Look at verse 10, what he says. Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? You do not know. Jesus is amazed. You do not know. He's expecting them to know these things, right? You do not know these things. In verse 11, Most surely I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. He says, you don't receive us. Verse 12, if you have told, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And here's the third one. You do not believe. You do not know. You do not receive us. You do not believe. And then he finishes it off here. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? You cannot receive. Four things he basically says. You do not know. You do not receive us. You do not believe. And you cannot receive. We think if I sow honor, I'll receive honor. If I sow dishonor, I'll receive dishonor. But actually, it's this way. If you sow humility, you will receive honor. If you sow pride, you will receive dishonor. Let's go over to Matthew 19. Rich young ruler, we all know him. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. I went over to the New Living Translation for this Verse 17, he reads it this way. Why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Basically, he's saying this. He is one of the rulers. He happens to be very rich, but he's one of the young rulers. Rulers are not generally on Jesus' side. But but he says to them, why do you call me good? In other words, If you are willing to call me good, are you willing to say that my source is good? Are you willing to say the things that I say are good? He's he's questioning them in this way. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go. Sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Did this rich young ruler honor what Jesus said to him? He did not. How do we know that the rich young ruler did not honor what Jesus said to him? In other words, he did not reverence it. He did not revere it. He did not look to it as good. He did not, did not honor it. How do we know that he did not honor it? Because he did not obey it. Now, did the rich young ruler disobey or just not obey? I'm more on the side that he probably just did not obey than that he disobeyed. I just, I, I just can't move myself on over there. 
But Jesus did give him a command. Go and do this, and he didn't do it. So, uh, I don't know. I wrote that in there for you. You can ponder that and think on that. What God has, whether he obeyed or whether he, uh, whether he disobeyed. But he did not honor the things of God. He did not honor the things that God told him. We need to make sure that when God speaks things to us, that we honor it. If I do not honor the things that God speaks to me, will God speak more? No, I've got to honor it. I've got to give my attention to it. I've got to think positively about it. The enemy is constantly trying to get you to think negatively about the people, about the things, about the stuff, about whatever it is in your life. He wants you to think negatively about it. If he can get you to think negatively, if he can think you think get you to think in a way where you are not positive about what God has given you. Well, I know God gave that to me, but you know it could be newer. It could be this, it could be bigger. I know God blessed me with his job. But you know it's so far away. The enemy wants you to get get you to think negatively about whatever it is that God has blessed you with. This is exactly what he did with Adam and Eve, didn't he? They are in paradise. And what does the devil come and do? Get them to think negatively about the good things that God has given them. God knows in the day that you eat of that tree, you will become as God's. And know both good and evil. So the woman took from the tree, saw the fruit that was good, and she ate. Gave to her husband also, and he ate. No matter how perfect the gift is that comes to God to you, the enemy will find something to sow into your mind, to sow into your thoughts, to get you to think negatively about it. It will not take long if you continue to meditate on the negative that there will come a separation between you and the blessing that God gave you. A separation between the job, a separation between friends, a separation wherever it might be, it will come because that's what the enemy wants to do. It is, you will be hard-pressed. Go back and think about some of the things you have negative thoughts on. It is, you will be hard-pressed to find negative thoughts that do not center around you. My boss doesn't respect me. They don't pay me enough. I shouldn't have to take this grief. <laughs> right? And then we pretty soon we're, we're upset with the job and we're, we're, we're going away. And it can happen with any job. Any job that you got. It can be the best job and it can be the worst job. It all depends on where your thoughts go and whether you see it as a blessing from God or not a blessing from God. So I wanted to get here in the, uh, in the end here. What are some ways that we can honor God? Now in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20, I'm just giving you the reference here. You can write whatever you, you want to glean from these verses. 
My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. One of the first ways that we can give honor to God is to give attention to his words. If you give attention to the words of your mom and your dad, you are giving them honor. If you incline their, your ear to their sayings, you are giving them honor. If I give attention to the word of God, I am giving God honor because I am giving attention to his words. These are things that we need to do. What are we giving our attention to? The enemy wants to fill your thoughts with negative thing, ne- negative thoughts about all the things that are in your life. As long as you fill your thoughts with all the negative things, even the blessings that God has given you, you will see and despise. Because we dishonor them. We're not walking in the kind of honor that God wants us to walk in. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. That's the, the first. Deuteronomy 4 and 30. When you are in distress and all these things that are listed in the chapter there come upon you in the latter days when you turn to the Lord your God and obey His voice. Now, if you go into the previous chapter, we're not reading the whole previous chapter, but if you read the whole previous chapter, you would see if you do this, if you disobey this, if you disobey this, if you walk away from this, these things will happen to you. But He says in the end, after it's all done and all these things have happened to you, if you will obey my voice, if you turn to the Lord, when you're in distress and all these things come upon you, God will still bring you out. But what has to start? Where does it start? By me obeying what God said to do. So no matter how much I have chased away the blessings of God through dishonor, if I just turn and begin to obey and do the things that God has said, these things will start to come around. Doesn't mean it'll come around tomorrow. But it will put you on the right path. Acts 5, 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this, this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intended to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. I think in these days, as we're seeing come about and some of the things that have unfolded, you will be called upon to obey God rather than men. Even more so than you have. And you'll have to make that decision, which one will I do? Will I obey God or will I obey men? Will I do what God said to do or will I do what men is pressuring or pressuring me to do? Now this can happen from a government standpoint. It also happen from friends. Just friends can get you to do things that you wouldn't otherwise do. And Peter and the apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. I almost kind of wish he would have said it like this. We ought to obey God rather than you. (laughs) But he didn't say that. (laughs) He just used it as men. He didn't want to make it personal. I'm not saying anything, anything personal against you. I'm telling you, no matter what the man is, no matter who the people are that tell us to do something, we will obey God over that. That's what he's trying to tell them. Going back to Ephesians chapter 6, children. So in this one, you can, I'm sorry, on Acts 5, you can, I, I put something like this. Obey God rather than men. That is a way that I honor God. If I obey God instead of what people are telling me to do, this is a way I walk in honor to God. 
Can you think of some examples in Scripture beside here where people obeyed God instead of men and in the end were honored? Boy, you sure can, can't you? Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So you can pull a couple of things out of here. First off, children, if you're, if you're a child, obey your parents. When I obey my parents as a child, I am honoring God. I am also honoring them. But I am honoring God. Because God is the one who says He'd give a reward on that. So children, when the temptation comes up to not obey mom and dad, obey. And you will be honoring to God. Now it reads honor. Later on, he says, uh, let's read that in verse 2. Honor your father and mother. The honor part doesn't ever wear off. But the obey part will. There comes a time when you will not be in a place where you need to obey. When you're uh, 30 years old, you got your own house, your own car, your own job, your own family. And mom or dad comes in and says, you need to do thus. See, that's not going to work there. <laughs> but you can still honor them. And that's what we have to do. There will come a day when they are not the same as you're growing up. I put a note in here for myself to make sure I told you. When will it change? When will a child become not a child anymore and not have to walk in that kind of obedience to be in a place of honor? In Matthew 21, verse 29, he and the father had come to the, to the two sons and he said, go in the field and work today. I should have gone back another verse, but I'll just tell it to you. He said, go into the field and work today. And the first son answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it and went out. Then he came to the second son and said, likewise. And he said, I'll go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you, the tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. <laughs> is Jesus speaking honorably to these people? No, he is not. He's telling them the truth. He's not giving them honor to receive honor. He's speaking the truth to them because they have to get out of this, this thing that they're in. But here in the story with the, with the sons, there will come a day when you as a son, when you as a daughter, will be able to sit down with your parents and have a conversation about something. Mom and dad, what do you think I ought to do about this? But you'll come away from that conversation. You say, I think you're right. I'm going to do that. I, I don't quite see that now. I'm not going to do that. And you'll feel fr- free about that because you're no longer a child. And you can have that conversation. You're not in disobedience because you're not one like these ones here. All right, I'll go. And then don't. That's disobedience. Don't balk in that, in that kind of a way. Now, as you read and you study the Bible, I want you to look for ways that you can walk in honor instead of dishonor. Because the Bible is full of ways that you can walk in honor. Full of it. All kinds of ways. I want you to begin to study the Bible and begin to look as you're reading the Bible. Begin to look how can we do that? How can I walk in honor? Now, this, this particular week, how many of you know we had Earth Day? I was not aware of Earth Day when it happened because I was away from all that sort of stuff and nobody told me. It wouldn't have mattered. I wouldn't have done anything anyway. I don't celebrate Earth Day. I don't do anything with Earth Day. 
Earth Day has become a day in which we honor the earth. And we do what the Bible says, we honor, we honor the created and not the creator. And we are not here to honor the creator. We are here to honor the created. We should not be, be walking in those particular things. But, stay aware of that. Don't let them pull you into this, into this. I don't know if everybody is aware. Do you, do you know what else falls on Earth Day? There's another event that falls on Earth Day most people are not aware of. I don't know if this is the reason that Earth Day is on this particular day or if it just happened to be out of the 365 days in the year it fell on this one. But there's a particular person who has a birthday on Earth Day. His last name is Lennon. And it's not John. Vladimir Lenin, who was in, who was over in the Soviet Union and responsible for millions of people's deaths, not counting the wars that he started that also killed people. It's a very evil man. He was so evil. Um, y'all, we, we talked about this in the end times class, but y'all remember the, uh, the book of Revelation where it talked about the seat of Satan? How many remember the seat of Satan being discussed? That the, that the church, that there was a seat of Satan there? Yeah, well, during the war, there was a rush to go on down there and to get it. And um, uh, Lenin did not win that race. He didn't get there. And so Germany got it. And so Germany kept the, the original seat of Satan. And so what they did in Russia, in the Soviet Union, is they made a replica of the seat of Satan. And this, uh, now if you've been to the end times class, you'll know this answer, so you refrain from answering. But if you were not in the end times class, or in some of those places, do you know what's inside the seat of Satan? That the Soviets made as a replica? The mummified body of Vladimir Lenin. Because he wanted to be buried inside of the seat of Satan. So if you ever go to Red Square and you see the seat of Satan sitting there, it is Lenin's mummified body that is in there. And that is whose birthday falls on Earth Day. Is it a coincidence? I don't know. But on Earth Day we celebrate the things of Earth. But there was a nice little sign they had up at the Creation Museum when we were out there. And it talked about how people use the abuse of creation through the use of the abuse of preservation. Because somebody has dumped some chemicals into some river and they show all the evils that came from that. Therefore, we need to abuse. And so we, we, we abuse preservation to the point that even people die in order to preserve certain things. And that's not right. But uh, while we were gone, there was a, in, in the days that we were gone, I heard that there was another shooting by a police officer. And whenever I think of these things, uh, as I, I've told you often, I, oh, I take them back to the Word. Where, where does this happen in the Word? What goes on in the Word? But you, I heard the, um, the 911 call, not the one that they cut and edited for, uh, for the news people, but the actual full 911 call. And how many people have heard the full 911 call? I mean, the beginning to end, the full thing. I heard the full thing. 
I heard it from the beginning of the call until the end of the call. They only put a short bit on the other. What you had, if you heard the whole full call, is that it sounded like it was a relative of one of the persons who was being attacked, or of the person who was being attacked, who was pleading, send an officer. And describing the situation, you could hear the commotion, you could hear the things going on in the background. And then at the end of the call, you hear the police officer arrive. But they were pleading, they were asking, please come. And as I began to think about this, this particular police officer had about three seconds to make a decision as to what to do. Now people will say that, you know, this is a gunfight, you shouldn't be bringing a, a, a gun to a knife fight, except there was a particular president in the past who said, we will bring a gun to a knife fight. They actually said that. It's a different context, different things going on in that, but they actually said that. But they were picking on this police officer for pulling out her gun or pulling out his gun in the, in the knife fight. Um, they had about three seconds to make a decision as to what they were going to do. If you go to an ER person, you will find out that a knife wound to the stomach is worse than a gunshot because more soft tissue comes out. And it's much harder to save one if they have a knife wound to the bed. That's what this person was going for. They were trying to stab them in the, in the abdomen. So they acted, and unfortunately somebody died. But because of the race of people that was involved, this thing became news. It's not like this is the first time that a officer has pulled a gun on someone who was wielding a knife. But it sure got a whole lot of attention. And so I began to think about this in the, in the Word of God. Um, if the officer had shown up on the scene and did nothing, would there have been criticism? If no officer showed up to the scene after the 911 call was placed, would there have been criticism? It seems that no matter what they do, show up, not show up, they're going to get criticism. So this is what I began to ponder in the Word of God. And do you know the same kind of thing happened to Jesus? Now think about this. When he came up to Lazarus, he was too late. And what did people do? They criticized him. If you had only been here sooner, my brother would not have died. On the boat, Jesus is asleep and the boat's going down. And they come on down to Jesus. Why? Because he didn't show up. And what did they have for Jesus for not showing up? Criticism. In Capernaum, he showed up, but he showed up in an inadequate way because the Word of God says he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. So if Jesus showed up and healed all, they complained because he did it on the Sabbath or they complained in the way in which he did it. If he showed up and didn't get them all healed, they complained, why didn't you do here what you did other places? If he didn't show up at all, they complained, and if he showed up late, they complained. Now, if we can see this happening in a situation with Jesus, and in not just this situation, but other situations, who do you, if the same thing is inspired to happen, isn't it probably true that the source is the same for the inspiration? Isn't the same one inspiring the criticism of Jesus that is inspiring the criticism of people who show up to try and help? Now, I wasn't there. I don't know if they, things could have been done better, but they could have been done worse. But I know this. If you've got somebody in their wheel and a knife at you, I'm sure glad when somebody shows up. 
But here's what's going to happen if we continue to let this kind of stuff go on and don't, don't, don't do anything about it. If race is continued to have made the thing, then you're going to have a white officer show up with uh, people that are not white that are involved in an altercation and he will have to wait until a officer of the same color shows up. And then he will not be, he or she will not be able to act. If a black officer shows up and there's two white guys going at it, I can't act because I'm not the same race. That's going to slow things down. That's going to mean more people are killed. That's going to mean more harm is going to be done. What you're going to have is that some cops will just say, I'm not going there. I'm not going into that situation and sometimes, and they're going to be discouraged from showing up. But here's the end result that will really come about. The people who will want to become police officers will become a lower caliber of person. Because the higher caliber of people will be discouraged from going into policing because I can do something else. And so what you will have, these people who are saying they are defending these situations are actually causing more to happen because your police ranks will be understaffed and they will be filled with people that are more of the bottom of society than the top. It won't happen overnight, but it will happen over time because what we give honor to will feel honor, will receive from that. If we continually insert ourselves in a prideful manner, well, that shouldn't have happened. Well, they shouldn't have done. That's pride. Humility says, I don't know what you were experiencing. I don't know what you were going through. What was happening with you when you came upon this scene? I heard that it was, it was said that in some places, not, not all places, but in some places, the leadership of a city had to go through a certain, um, uh, what do you call it, um, practice training round that they would put police officers through so that they would know firsthand what it was. And if you ever watched, how many people watch the show Blue Bloods? I like Blue Bloods. There aren't too many shows on TV I like anymore, but that one's still one of them. They actually put this into the show. They had the the uh, police off the, the police commissioner who's at odds with uh, one of the people who's standing up, one of the folks, the lawyer standing up for the people, whatever it was. And so he, uh, she was criticizing the police officer for the things that was done in the thing. So he took her to this place and made her go through it. Now, certain perps are going to be sh- jumping at you. You got to make sure you shoot the bad guys, not the good guys. And uh, I know, I, I think I talked about this one time before because I, I, it just so moved me to see people going through this. But they put her on through the thing and they asked her at the end, how many shots did you fire? And I, it's been too long since I watched it anymore. But she thought uh, maybe three, uh, seven. It was a higher number than she thought. Um, what was the scar for the person? Uh, blue? No, it was red. And she couldn't remember hardly any of the details of what was going through. Because unless people go through a situation where their life is, is threatened, people are firing bullets at them, they cannot know what it is like to make decisions in that manner just like the Monday morning quarterbacks. It's real easy to decide what a quarterback should have done when you do not have five 300-pound linemen coming at you trying to make you into uh, mashed potatoes. It's real easy to do that. 
But it's much harder when you are under that stress and you have four, five, six seconds to make the decision as to what you're going to do. Before we go around and we start criticizing and we dishonor the people that are there to protect, regardless of race, I need to go at this humbly. If I go after it pridefully, I will dishonor what's involved. If I go after it with humility, I can bring honor into the situation. When we bring honor into a situation, we bring God's peace into it. We bring God's blessings into it. We attract these things to our life. What has happened, though, is that we have become very comfortable with a certain level of dishonor. So much so that even Christians, when they see certain things on a TV, will just speak out of their mouth dishonorable things to that person. We will speak dishonorable things to people that are in authority over us. We will speak dishonorable things to to parents. We will speak dishonorable things to bosses and not think anything about it because I have gotten into a world of pride and I think I am right. And that is not the way of humility and it will not take you down the path of honor. And if I am not going down a path of honor... It's like the blessings of God are all out there in the lake, but I cannot reel them in because though my faith is active, the honor that I have is keeping these people away, keeping these blessings away. We want to learn from the Word of God. How do I walk in the honor that God wants me to walk in? How can I compare how I am walking with how God says I should walk? And I have to get rid of the religious ideas that have told me this is honorable. And understand from the Word, this is what the Word says is honorable. Because all that matters is whether God thinks I'm walking honorably. It doesn't matter if other people think I'm walking honorably. It matters if God thinks I'm walking honor- honorably. And I will get that from His Word. So, especially the, the kids that are here, write something down on there. I want you to, I gave you a couple of areas here. I just think I just gave you four here at the end. But there's a whole lot more areas that you can come from away with from the word of God that will say if you do this if you act in this way you will bring honor to God you will bring honor to the situation that is there what kind of things can you think of beside what we have gone over that will bring honor into the situations that you're in would you all stand up with me Father God honor is important to you that we walk in an honorable way that we honor the things of God Do we honor you in our worship? Do we honor you in our words? Do we honor you in our study? Do we honor you in how we behave before men? Do we honor you in all the things that we do? Because without that honor, the blessings of God just cannot seem to be brought in. And what blessings did come our way can be chased away just as they were with Jeroboam, just as they were with Saul, just as they were with so many others. They just did not walk in the honorable way they needed to be. So Father, I thank you for the help that you give us to learn and to understand what your word says about honor. That we stop looking to ourselves and what I'm not getting and we humbly look at the things that we have, the things you have blessed us with, and we become grateful. Because it is hard for us to walk humbly and not be also grateful for the things that we have. When we walk in pride, we walk in ungratefulness. And God will resist us. 
But your desire is to bless us. Your desire is to lead us along the way that we are walking in faith and hope and love and that we honor the things of God, not the things of men. So I thank you for the wisdom and the understanding that you give us in your scriptures and all that you have to teach us. Give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay grateful. Word of God talks about the people in the end times becoming unthankful, ungrateful. Stay grateful for the things that God has given you. Don't ever become ungrateful. Be grateful for all the trees you can eat. Don't be thinking about the one you can't. Be grateful for all the good things that are in your life. Don't be focusing on the, well, I don't have this yet. Stay grateful. Stay humble. Let that honor that God desires come out of you. You sow humility, you will reap the honor that you want. What's our verse? Place it up on the screen again so everybody can see it. Especially the kids. Let's begin to say this together. Because this is these are important things for us to know. The fear of the Lord is what wisdom teaches. And humility comes before honor. I all we all want that honor. But humility comes before. Be humble, be grateful. The enemy is trying to get you away from that. But if you stay with it, it'll be good. So not just the kids, but adults, as you're reading this week, be always looking in the Word. How can I honor God? How can I walk in that honor more? Stay with it. Have a blessed day. Greet some people before you go and bless them. We'll see some of you here on Wednesday night.